to episode 106 of Nothing to Say, the fans podcast. As you can see, we have a new guest on the show. Well, not a new guest for the show, but a new guest for the YouTube channel, I should say. Ben, welcome. It's good to finally get you on. So great. It's just, you know, a beautiful moment to see you guys and be able to do this show. So I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm glad everyone gets to look at my face now, too. So, <laughs> so. The reason why we brought Ben on is because collectively the three of us make up the entire fan base of the Sacramento Kings. So we're going to be representing them here on this show. And then also Ben is also a crazy Giants fan. Sam and I never got to actually talk about the Giants game really uh, on the show and what happened with them and the Dodgers. So we'll touch on that really, really quickly at the beginning of the show because we do have quite a bit to say about that. Move into the Kings and then we'll move on to some football stuff. So to kick everything off, I'll give you the floor, Sam. Uh, I told you before the series started that I was going to pay more attention to the Giants series because I wanted to be able to talk about it on this show. And I'm glad I did because it was a great series. It really was a, a good series that came to an unfortunate end. So I'll, I'll give you the floor for that. Yeah, not even just a great series, great season by the San Francisco Giants. I mean, a team for the ages that truly based off of the ending that was had that they went out prematurely in, in the divisional series. I'm just, I'm afraid, man, that that team's not going to be remembered. And it's so sad with what the work that they put in. Um, ben, I know you're a huge fan of the team, huge fan of the Giants. It just, I think we should just focus purely on that last game five, because that's the closest thing that's happened um, in events. We go right down to just Take me through the game, how you're feeling. I mean, this is the mighty Dodgers versus the beloved underdog Giants. Somehow the Giants are going to come away with this win. And unfortunately, it seemed like the Dodgers had every answer. Yeah. I mean, you've got Webb on the mound, right? So, like, for me, uber nervous, obviously, game five against the Dodgers and the first playoff series between the two franchises since they relocated, which is crazy to say. So, I mean – we got Vin Scully going. This is the most important baseball game in the franchise's history. It's like everyone's hyping it up. Um, Webb shoves. I don't know. I just, like you said, it's such a sour taste in such a historic year with such like, in a way, like Hall of Fame historic players too. And like, I agree that we're just going to, we're sadly probably going to in a decade or so, or even in like five years, like we're not going to know, we're not going to really appreciate what this season was for this team like how like just historic it was not to like overuse that word because it truly was like one of the, the best season any baseball teams ever had and to go out to a division rival in a five game series at home is on a missed call is just such a such a horrible feeling like such a horrible feeling to just end such a, a like marathon of a season so there were two things about this series that I wanted to get your guys' opinion on real quick, because one of the things that I had heard leading up into this series is it was such a shame, first of all, that this was being played in the divisional round in a five-game series. So to have it end one, in I mean, it went five games, which I think is what everybody was hoping for. But the fact that we weren't given game six and game seven is a bit unfortunate because what you have two of the well I guess at that point the two best teams in in baseball going up against each other it kind of felt like a robbery that that was in a five game series 
So quickly, if I if I just asked you, Sam, real quickly, if you gave me a 30-second answer on do you think the playoffs need a restructure, what would you say? No, I mean they've been like this. Is is it suck does it suck that a 107 win team had to face off against a 106 win team in the divisional round? Yeah, I guess that kind of sucks. But I mean, it's just a testament to how good these two teams were. And they just happened to both be in the same division. I mean, it, they were both two great teams. Um, and I like the sanctity of the divisional format because I feel like it's like a game inside the season where you're, it really puts emphasis on those divisional games. Like if the Dodgers and the Giants were in the same division or say, um, maybe Jason, you're alluding to uh, restructuring it to where like the top, five teams just make it and then they face off whatever how that works but if say that were to happen then it it kind of for me those games where the Dodgers and Giants play each other it kind of puts a little less emphasis on it for me because then you really get rewarded as the team that wins the division at that point it kind of takes away from the rivalry almost Ben what do you think yeah I was gonna I kind of I agree with the whole division like the sanctity of it I think I think you play such a long season to have a five game series feels a little silly to me. So maybe just, just adding two more games, like at that point, it really doesn't matter. But I think truly since the all-star break, it was a playoff series between the giants and the Dodgers to win the NL West. Like they were two games basically for a month and a half. Like they were matching each other nightly even though they weren't playing, like you had to be following what the Dodgers were doing. Cause if you were down in the seventh inning and you in the Dodgers were up late, like, you know, that's a huge one game swing where it could change the entire outlook of the season. And again, then the giants would be stuck in a wild card. So, I mean, the five game series do suck, but in this case, like it just kind of felt like they were playing against each other for two or three months straight. So I kind of like the way that that structures out, but again, I would, I would fix the the five game series. It just seems so weird. Like no other basketball doesn't do that. Hockey doesn't do that. They're all seven game series. Like why, why have a random five game series in the division? So then the other thing would obviously be the big controversy at the end with the check swing. Now I, my knowledge to how in depth, you know, people go in with the, with the, with the check swing from what I could is very limited, but from what I could tell, it all seems kind of like kind of up to the umpire to, to call that everybody's sort of got a different way to look at it. And to have that series end on a check swing kind of felt like a bit of a, again, bit of a letdown that the game was that the series was only five games, even bigger letdown that it ended like that. So Ben, I'll start with you for that, for the check swing. Do you think that there needs to be like a hard, fast rule on this check swing where you can go like it's either this or it's not instead of leaving it up to the opinion of the umpire in that sense? Should there be some sort of, okay, if he does this letter of the law, that's a strike or letter of the law, that's not. And should it be reviewable? Yeah, I kind of so I compare it almost in a sense to like like var like you know how now we can go and be able to look at an offsides call basically using computer technology with a line i'm cool with how we define the rule if the bat goes over a certain degree of the swing right like if you go more than halfway if you go halfway that's a check swing if you go 
over halfway, which we could probably define by a, a computer generated line, you can be able to review that play, I feel like. Because that is such, I hate that call being made by an umpire that's 120 feet away, right. that's having to check a runner on first base. You know, so they're looking at a potential pickoff play, turning their body, pitch comes, you know, it's a bang, bang, you're 120 feet away. Like, it's such an objective call. It's so, I, I feel like we have the technology now. Let's get it right. This isn't a striker ball issue. This is if the batter swung or not. And in that situation, you should be able to go to a replay, be able to look at it and be able to decide if it was a swing or not. And it's a pretty obvious yes or no, in my opinion. Right. Sam? Yeah, I mean, from everyone you hear, once they see uh, on the broadcast of TBS, once they saw the first replay, it was unanimous. Oh, my gosh, that was a blown call. And even Mm -hmm. if you look at the quotes taken from the the umpire crew after, once they saw the replay, they all were like, wow, we can't really back that call. Like, we can't stand behind that. Like, they were drawing a little bit at strings that – uh, Gabe, Morales, Gabe Morales was the first base ump, and he was saying that, yeah, I mean, I, I saw the replay, like, mm, I mean, but, but like, in the moment, like, I could, I could see that it was a swing, like, he offered at it, but, like, once I saw the replay, I was a little less sure of what, of what was going on. Right. So, like, people could see it um, pretty clearly in replay, and I think, especially that side angle view, it's just the perfect, if you have a camera set up for that, then why not use it? Like that, exactly. that was, is such a perfect, it takes all objectivity out of it. Right. Like it's the same thing, you know, it's, I think, I think the, the worry is, and maybe baseball goes, because this was such a huge call and yeah. such a giant stage. Like we could see this a, a rule being implemented into this next season just based i mean we saw the um when football had the pass interference the, yeah the rams and the yeah. just just purely from one bad call to end a playoff game and that sparked a new rule the very next year we could see that for baseball i think the thing that baseball is so adverse at implementing these new rules and using technology is because they don't they don't want it to snowball to where umpires are obsolete and they're no longer needed. Yeah. And, and like, I think baseball, I, baseball needs to act on this now because like we're talking about, so the umpires weren't very good. Let's just be honest throughout the entire series, the strike zones weren't very good. Like mm. I'm not, I, I don't really remember any other plays like in the field in terms of that, but it just didn't feel like a very good, well umpired series. I don't like, remember. I don't remember the umpires being criticized so heavily and that being such a focal point in the playoff series. Like was, this was the best series between the two best. Like this was uh, like stats wise, like win total wise, the best series baseball has ever had, like the two best teams ever playing against each other in the postseason. And you've got umpires dominating the conversation when also we should be talking about game five, where you've got a 25 and a 24 year old, I believe you Urias is 24. Mm-hmm. two young stars that no, they're sh- both they're, they're both 25 yeah because Webb's about to turn 25 okay he's, yeah. yeah so yeah basically you got two young stars in the biggest game of their careers in the biggest game of possibly the two franchises and they're shoving like they both shoved this series and we're talking about 
why the MLB can't institute a replay on a missed call. Like you've just got like, it's just so silly. Like, I feel like the MLB keeps getting in their way. Like you're losing to all these other sports and like you keep kicking yourself when you're down. Like, it's just, it just feels so silly. Like, well, and one of the things too is, and just to sort of, cause we got to move on to the NBA stuff, but just to sort of like, just to put out a thought, the NFL has a situation where if there's a fumble and the referees have no idea whether it was actually a fumble or not, they'll just let the play play out and then they'll go back to replay. So I don't know why umpires in baseball, at least in that sense, could go, can't go. I actually don't know if that was a check swing or not. Let's go back to the replay real quick. Let's double check. It'll take five seconds to go. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a reviewable play within the rule. Well, I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like if you turn it into a a reviewable play, but have it be the ump's decision when they're Mm -hmm. 50, 50 on that, because that is the, that is in the ninth inning. And if it's a swing, it decides the series, Mm -hmm. very important play. So if it's able to be reviewed, and even if an umpire is not 100% sure that that is uh, an actual swing or not, all they need, sorry, that was my cat. All they need to do, all they need to do is just go, hold on, timeout, not sure if it was a check swing. Look over to whoever's at the replay booth and go check it for me. Was it or was it not? Five seconds later, okay, it wasn't, keep playing. And so, then you just move on. I wouldn't even so, let the umpires make that call, too, if we're going to institute it. Because then, again, you're, like, making a call, and then you have to – I don't know. I, yeah. like There's so. already um, there's already precedence for it because they, they didn't do it with home runs. They didn't review home runs if it hit the top of the wall or the went over type of thing. Like, it was just a bang-bang call they made on the field. And they were getting it wrong so many times that people complained so much that now it's, like – an instant review, like the the umpires can just review that um, without any um, challenges. Yeah, without any of the managers like initiating that challenge, like or initiating that review. Like it's just a okay, let's go take a look. Like and it takes five minutes, ten minutes. It shouldn't take very long, but who knows? It it probably will. Right, right. Well, I mean, at oh, go ahead, Ben. I don't know. In like if we, if baseball is going to be baseball, like just institute it in the late innings and like close games. Like, I, like, I don't yeah. care. It has to be within like four or five runs and it's got to be between the seventh and ninth innings. And yeah, so it's like, I don't care, but like no, no playoff series should end like that. Like true. Right. You just take the bat. You take, you take the bat and you take the bat out of someone's hands, you know, it's just. So, so Ben, I don't know. I don't know how you feel, but watching this team, and I could not have been happier watching the Giants like this year. Like they blew away everyone's expectations, played phenomenal. The fact that they went to five games with this Dodgers team, which from top to bottom is probably the best team of all time. Like, yeah, I mean, the f- <laughs> I don't, like, it, I, like, I don't want to be like someone that's like, oh, I knew the Giants were going to be better than what people predicted. Like, I, I was like, man, if they, they make a wild card game, awesome. Like, I was, like, you know, 70, 80 wins, 85 is a really good year, you know? Like, yeah, I, I wasn't expecting B-Craw to have an MVP caliber season. I wasn't expecting Bell to hit 25 home runs. Truly wasn't expecting us to be in a position to sign – or not sign, trade for Chris Bryant. You know, I wasn't expecting Wade oh. to be some dude from AAA to just come up and 
have all these clutch hits late in games. So, I mean, it gives me a lot of hope that these old guys can maybe string a couple more seasons together. Like, I think that'd be fun. I think they're uber competitive still. Um, I think they still got a pretty decent three, you know, three pitchers, starting pitchers with Webb, Gosman, and DiStefani. I still think he's pretty good. So, you know, I don't know. I think they've got to make a couple more moves to stay at an elite level, but it was a ton of fun this year, man. Like it was a ton of fun to see these guys kind of like run it back in a sense and be like every night you turn on a game, you're like, okay, they're, they're probably going to win. Like that's a cool feeling in a, a long baseball season. So, mm-hmm. well, <laughs> you know, it, from, from that to the Kings, it's one of those things where hopefully, hopefully that feeling of turning it on, and being able to go, oh, you know what? They have a chance to win this game. Hopefully that's something that we're going to get this season um, because we got to get into talking about the NBA. And to bring back the NBA onto this show, we decided to make a new segment that's called Keeping Up With The Kings. Now, we... Like I said, Sam and I are, well, the three of us collectively are all Kings fans. We're all from Sacramento. So that's usually who we're going to pay attention to. So we wanted to make sure that, yes, we do talk about the NBA as a whole, but we're going to talk about the Kings a little bit on each show because it's it's near and dear to our hearts. And we actually, and we're in depth with the with this team. So before we get into the Kings like deeply and, and whatnot, because I don't want to spend like 30 minutes on the Kings. The one thing that I want to ask both of you, is Ben is Ben I'll start with you first one thing one thing that you want to see from the Kings this year what is the biggest thing that you need to see from the Kings defense okay (laughs) elaborate (laughs) I mean there's not much to first defense of all time last year you you one of them a lottery pick you made a lottery pick because of that you signed guys that are just kind of dogs that just kind of get after it. You signed mm-hmm. Alex Len, you signed Tristan Thompson, you keep Mo Harkless. Like you, you're not, we're not concerned about scoring obviously. And like from mm-hmm. what everything that's come out of training camp, the defense, defense, defense. So if they roll it out and they're trying to shoot teams out of the gym and give up a million points as well, like well, we're right back. We're in, again, treadmill team. So if, right. They could get to even like they. I think they're saying top tw- or top fifteen mm-hmm. for that's their goal this year, defensive wise as a yeah. team, dude. If they get to top twenty, like I'm thrilled. Like get us around twenty. Like that's just a right. huge improvement from where we were last year. Sam, what's the one thing you would like to see from the Kings this year? Man, I know this. It's not, it's not going to happen overnight, but I just don't want to see those nights where you turn on the TV and you know from the fir- from the jump ball that the Kings are going to lose this game because they're just not in it. And there is watching the Kings for close to 20 years now. Uh, you, I've seen a lot of games where you just turn it on, mostly against San Antonio, even against like teams like the Timberwolves or something like that. You just turn it on and it's like, wow, it looks like they don't want to win. Like, it just yeah. seems like they did not practice at all. And I just don't want to see that. Like, I didn't want to see that. That, to me, if we no longer see those games, I think that would be the biggest 
step and the biggest like indicator that this team has actually grown and taken the steps necessary to grow. Right. Right. I think for me, just the one, the one thing that I would like to see is truthfully, I just, and I can't even, yes, defense would be nice. And especially for me, I mean, I, I, I defense when I was playing defense, I loved playing defense more than I loved playing offense. So watching a team collectively come together and, and play defense is, is something that one, we haven't seen in Sacramento in a long time. But two, it's just honestly fun to watch. When you watch guys really get into playing defense, it's entertaining. Um, but for me, all, all I would like to see is just note, and I don't, I don't have any specifics, but just noticeable signs to go, you know what? We look different than the past five years. It doesn't have to be like a, a, like a big, gigantic jump going, you know what? We were like 11th or 12th last year, and now we're playing for a four seed. No, I lied. I don't care if we end up being a ninth or a 10th seed. All I would like to see is just go, you know what? I can tell that we got better in multiple areas, whether it be rebounding or shooting or the pace of play or anything like that. I just I just would like to see in whatever category it is to be able to point out at the end of the season and go, you know what? We did make noticeable jumps. We are moving forward because the last couple of years it felt like, okay, we should be moving forward. But we just never, we just never did. So, and I think, and I hope the drafting of Mitchell is going to help us. So, just really quickly on Mitchell, what has been your guys' impression of him during the preseason and during summer league? Because so far, I think he's going to be my favorite player on the team. Yeah, I mean, for me, like from what I've watched, like obviously loved him. I love what he brings to this team. I love he brings like we. I feel like we have some dogs now, but I feel like he kind of let those guys like be dogs, you know, in a way like he like ups everyone's level on one side of the ball, which is very hard to do in the NBA. And if the guys talk about it, but I think for me, what was most telling about what Mitchell as a rookie brings to this team and like what I feel like guys are seeing in him at his level, like his teammates is Fox saying he's a top five on ball defender right now in the NBA like I feel like Fox is never really that guy that just says things right like you never really get sound bites out of Fox ever and like I feel like he truly means that in the sense that he's gone up basically against everyone now in the NBA and he has to go against this guy every day in practice and he's like like f this man like this dude is good like he's gonna give a lot of guys hell and like to me like that's like that that screams like improvement right away. Like that's like yeah. okay, we got someone he can play up, you know, size wise. Like he's strong. So like if we need a stop, like at least we've got someone where we can be like, yo, like shut this guy down for a little bit. Like please, like yeah. you know, slow him down. Yeah, slow. Like like let's like stop the bleeding. Like no more 10, 12 0 runs. Like let's let's get a couple of stops put together. And we, it feels like right. we have a guy that can like you know initiate that in a way. So, you know, I think, it, I think it's too, just to, just to lend credence to that. I think it's sort of like an accountability aspect too, because you know, Davion is bringing it every single minute of every single night. Right. So it really forces Halliburton, Fox, buddy. Barnes, Holmes. I don't know if anything's going to make buddy play defense. So I don't know if Davion no, Mitchell but, will. Yeah. But like, I, I want to like step on what you're saying, but like Doug Christie talks about this, like, 
You mm-hmm. don't want to be that guy out there that's not on the level of the other four, right? And yeah, and I don't think I've seen Davion smile once. Like he is an intense yeah. dude. And I could just see because he's he's a four-year player coming out of college. Like this is not a young dude. Like this is a he's a rookie, but he seems almost established already in yeah. the NBA. I know yeah. I for the people that are that are watching that aren't Kings fans, like that might be blasphemous to say. I know he's a rookie, but like still, he's He's an old dude. He's carrying himself like he's a vet. I guess that's the biggest thing. And it's really like, he's, I don't think he's afraid to go up to Buddy and be like, dude, that's not good. Like freaking uh, Terrence Davis just blew by you in practice. Like Terrence Davis is stealing your spot because you can't play defense. Mm -hmm. Like this is ridiculous. I am busting my, you know what, every single day. And I need you to do the same type of thing. I think that's the biggest thing that he's brought. And even if it's not verbally, I think it's it's almost like through action. Like people yeah. can see how hard he is working. And I think the coaching staff, Doug, Luke, Bobby, like they can all be like, guys, look how freaking uh, Davion is getting after it. You guys all should be doing the same. Yeah, well, I mean, it, and like, I, I'm sorry, Jason, I'll, I, but like quickly, like, and then you're kind of talking about you want to see them show up every night, right, Sam? Yeah. Like, they had to tell this dude to stop working. Like, they were like, you are going to outwork yourself. Like, your, your body. The last time you've ever heard a Kings, like, coaching staff say that to anyone. Like, be like, hey, man, like, get out of the gym. Like, you've been here all day. Like, you need to go home and put your feet up. Well, I'm pretty sure Jimmer came in with that kind of attitude. Yeah, Jimmer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he I think that. the I think the closest thing was Isaiah Thomas. I mean, that guy was yeah. religious as a worker, coming from being the last person drafted in 2010, 2011. I can't remember what year it was, but that he was religious for his size, and I get that yeah. a lot from Davion. But Davion's just such a more capable defender than Isaiah yeah. Thomas was for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think with Davion, I think one of the things, cause you have mentioned at least, at least because you mentioned that he was a 40 year player from, from Baylor. The thing, the thing that I've noticed too with him is the physicality of his defense. So like, just, just the way that I've looked at it, because when I think with him, what's going to be interesting is how much they use, because what they have right now is they have three really good and really, I guess, established. And Davion has obviously just gotten the league, but with Fox and Halliburton, you have two really, really good guards. So now you're adding the third. But with Davion, if you have these three guys out there, I think what's going to be interesting is going to be whether or not Davion is going to be guarding a two or guarding a three. And I, it, based on how he's playing, I think it'd actually be really beneficial to put him on a three. And the reason why I say that is because, I, I mean, I wasn't a big scorer at all. I liked playing defense. And I always felt that it was actually easier to guard somebody who was bigger than you. Because if you were a little guy who did have some good strength behind you, you could really get into somebody who is bigger than you and not foul them because they're not going to, they're not going to get pushed around as easily. And I think that's going to play a lot into Davion's strength because he seems to be so physical when he plays on defense. I really actually think if those three guys are out there, it would be beneficial to put him on a three, which would be nice because then you could 
you could have Harrison on a four, which would probably be helpful in a defensive rotation if that four isn't quite as fast as Harrison. And then you just leave Rashawn kind of as a center. Now, I don't think Davion's going to start right away, but if they ever went to a three-guard rotation during a game at that lineup, I actually think it'd be – I think having him on the floor just as that anchor for a three is going to open up so much for, one, Harrison on defense, but, two, it'll allow Halbert to also play maybe off a little bit um, and use his – his uh, just his length in the passing lane. So I think you have a lot of options when you have um, Mitchell out there. And, Sam, one thing you had said and you had noticed was his shooting. His shooting looks like it's going to be really, really nice as well. Um, yeah, you always it's always a question mark when a guy's transitioning from college to the NBA, obviously because of the 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 uh, distance difference from the from the games and the game's uh speed itself, like shots shots that are open in college aren't at, aren't open in the NBA, right? right. Especially for a, a guy at the size of Davion Mitchell, like he's a shorter guy, like he's gonna have to get his shots up a lot faster than he's used to. And he's transition seamlessly in terms of using screens to get open take threes behind screens and throughout the summer league throughout the preseason he's shooting close to 45 percent from three and he's only going to get better I mean the the fact that we have Tyrese who started so well from three last year and now we have Davion Mitchell like this is so reassuring that these guys are showing glimpses and showing promise so quickly and hopefully are only going to get better right yeah I think him being confident coming in too is huge too he's out with Tyrese Mm -hmm. you know they aren't afraid to shoot it shoot it which is great but love the confidence come off the bench fire up a couple of threes make a couple of them play really good defense like what you know like it's what we need man like Mm -hmm. I think for I think for both of those guys I think Tyrese felt a little slighted last year that he slipped all the way to the Kings at 12. Cause he was, I think he was rumored as high as like top five because of how well he graded through the uh, draft workouts. And maybe in a year where COVID wasn't a thing, he might've gone a little higher, but the, I think he felt a little slighted because of the quality of player that he is. And I'm sure Davion just coming off of a national championship win with Baylor. I feel like he, he kind of holds himself as, yeah, like I should have been one of the top picks in this draft. Like there's no way I should have fallen all the way to Sacramento. Well, it's like two guys too that weren't necessarily like slided because of like their effort and like game necessarily is just because of like one Davion size. That was the big question. He's six one. How is he going to guard a three? You know, how's the defense going to translate when guys are much bigger and stronger? Well, it, it seems to translate just fine. And Tyrese, it was the shot. You know, people were like, that is a funky looking shot. Put him two still more. Is. It still that is. is yeah, it still is. It's not pretty at all. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, again, move him two more feet out. How is that going to translate? Like, he gets, yeah. it takes a little time for him sometimes to get a shot off. So, and I'm glad that they fell to the Kings. I don't know if Davion really fell, but, but yeah. Here's- Here's the thing with Halbert, though. I don't – he doesn't – well, one, I don't think the Kings drafted him with the idea that he was going to be somebody who would get, you know, a shot off a dribble. I think he's one of those guys who – I think they drafted to, one, create for other people, two, because he was smart, three, because he's a good defender. And if he's open, 
then then most you know he's got a good enough shot to knock down to knock down you know threes when he when he's got that when he's got that opening but he is he's much more of a slasher and a playmaker and a, and a creator which is something that fox does but they have a little bit of a different style to them i think fox is really that point guard who might look for that shot first but is of course willing to give up give up the ball and get those eight, nine, 10, 11 assist games, but he'll have, he'll give you 25 a night. And Halliburton is more looking for 10, 12 points with like 13 assists and like eight rebounds, which I think every team needs in their lineup. Um, so looking ahead at their schedule, they open up their first four games are kind of, it's a brutal stretch. They have the trailblazers, they have the jazz, the warriors and the Suns. So that's a, that's a kind of a rough opening to the season. What do you, what do you guys think? through just not just the first you know week of the season but through the entire season what do you think a reasonable expectation for them is because the west is obviously going to be stacked golden state's coming back they're going to be stronger than they were last year and the jazz are still there the suns are still there you still have teams like i mean the spurs who knows what they're going to be like but just with the lakers the clippers the mavericks teams like that Denver even the West is loaded so what is a reasonable expectation for the Kings in the Western Conference at the end of the season where are we going to be talking about so I like I so I want to say I agree that the West is loaded but I feel like for the first time in maybe a couple years I feel like there's a lot of like different ways the West can go if that makes sense like I feel like there's a lot of question marks with like Portland you you know what's going to happen with Dame and CJ like is that going to work with the new head coach Denver, they're going to get Murray back. Is Murray going to be the same player? Are they still going to be, they're still going to be really good, but like how much better are they going to be? Well, you know, bringing him back into the fold, you've got Kawhi out, you've got a new coach in Dallas, you've got Clay coming back. Like there's still like a ton of like unknown in this West, which is I think good for the Kings. So like kind of like now to answer your question, they're, they're a playing team. Like that's my expectation. Like New Orleans, like again, the Spurs, I, I think they're the team that drops out. That's the spot that Kings fill. Yeah. But New Orleans with no Zion, Zion doesn't seem to be able to stay healthy. What are they going to look like? They've got a new coach. Like I, like, I think the Kings this year in the West, like my expectations for them, I don't think you need to be a 500 team to make the play in but they've got to be around 500. Like you've got to get to like 39, 40 wins. And mm. I think they're capable of that, but they're, they're a playing team. Like the roster that they have right now is a playing team in my opinion. Sam. Yeah. I think they're, you'd be crazy if you said they're going to be fine for anything higher for a guaranteed spot. I think that'd be crazy to expect to this team. It's, it's gotta be playing. Um, are they on the same quality as that San Antonio team? I think so. With the roster they have now, I think we have to see it, but I think they're on that level. I mean, they're on the level of Memphis. I think I think uh, that, Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I, I think Golden State's going to improve obviously with yeah. I mean, if you get 18 from Clay Knight, that's still just another option that alleviates some of the defense for Steph and he can yeah. have another phenomenal year. Um, the Lakers, I think, are going to struggle a little bit early. So if the Kings can catch them a little bit, and just a bunch of teams are going to be figuring out their identities through the year. Um, 
I think, I, like you said, so this is going to be a dumb question. Is it 72 games again, or is it 82. back to the – Back to 82. 82. So I think back to somewhere, it'd be awesome if they get to 40 wins. But I, I don't think this team is there yet. I think that would be such an astronomical jump to go from 31 wins in, in a 72-game series to then be close to 40. Um, so I think 38, 38, 39 maybe. Hopefully they get that 10th spot. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think if they can get into the playoff or the play in tournament, then I think it'll I think you can look at this season as a win so far. Um not so far. At the end, you could look at it as a win if they make it into that play in tournament. Um one thing I would like to ask you guys, because I want to make sure that we do the NBA a little bit uh a little bit justice here. Be I know we're we've been talking about the Kings a lot, but I want to mention uh, more a more broad topic because obviously the NBA is starting. So, for those of you that don't know, there has been some interesting developments with the 76ers and Ben Simmons. We all know he's been holding out. He eventually came back to the 76ers, but some stuff has been happening at the 76ers facility and with that team. So, just recently. There was a quote. It was about seven hours ago from the recording of this show. I have a quote from Joel Embiid. He was asked about Ben Simmons, and his answer was, at this point, I don't care about that man, honestly. He does whatever he wants. And then there was another report about, again, seven hours ago, right around the same time. It said 76ers coach Doc Rivers threw Ben Simmons out of practice today, and the suspension came shortly thereafter. There was a video of him leaked actually practicing with his phone in his pocket. So Ben Simmons is not really making life easy on the 76ers. Wait, he's just waiting to hear from his agent that he got traded. I feel like that's that's totally appropriate. So I guess the question that I have for you guys is – what is what do you think is going to happen with Ben Simmons? And first of all, well, I mean, and secondly, what would you be thinking right now if somebody was doing this on the Kings? What would be your impression of this player? Get him out. See ya. Play. Okay. So with that being with that being said, I think the reaction that he's going to get in Philadelphia that first game that they're there is going to be something that maybe we haven't seen in a long time in the NBA. Philadelphia is a tough place to play. And the way that he's been acting, I'm telling you, I cannot wait to see the reaction he gets on that first home game. They are going to eviscerate him. He's not going to suit up. He's not going to suit up. There's no chance. He may not suit up, but he'll be on the bench. He'll be there. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, like, yeah, you say Philly's a tough place to play, and it is, but also it's just like a – I think their fans are just fucking full of themselves. Sorry, I cussed <laughs> again, but they are – I don't know. I, like – yeah, I have a hard time with Philly and their fans and just, like, I don't know how they – Why? I have a hard time with how the organizations handled this. Like, I've had a hard time with how everyone's handled it. Like, it's it's not a good look for literally anyone involved. Like, everyone involved looks like – like their asses out. I'm gonna keep cussing because don't they, you 
don't you think um, Doc Rivers looks a little like the way he handled that throwing one of his players under the bus, it, right? Right. Following, following a, your team just getting bounced. Like that's like, I mean, we could talk about the Jets. That's like Gabe Kapler just being like, Wilmer Flores, you freaking, what are you doing? Like you suck. You like, swung at that slider. The very man. like Duvall, you suck. Like you're, you're never <laughs> going to be closer again. Like we don't trust you. Like, Oh, hey, coach, coach, what, why'd you guys lose the game? Oh, well, our, our 23 year old rookie pit closer couldn't, couldn't throw a freaking strike to save his life. I mean, the guy can throw a hundred miles per hour, but all he wanted to do is throw a slider to Cody Bellinger. Well, here's, here's the thing. The fans can be mad all that they want. The fact that Joel Embiid came out and said that he doesn't care about Ben Simmons anymore, I think speaks volume to probably what the team's mentality is of Ben Simmons. If Ben Simmons was on a team that I was playing for, I think I would 100% be on board with Joel Embiid with saying that. I mean, if you're not committed to the team at all, then and you're publicly doing all of this stuff, I mean, first of all, I understand if you're unhappy and you want to be traded. Okay, you have the you have the option to exercise that right in the offseason and you have the ability and if you have the ability to try to force your way out without it being a detriment to the team over the summer, fine. Go ahead. That's fine. That's your business. Doesn't involve anybody on the team. But the moment that the season starts and you now start affecting the team, I'm Look, I know he's a good player, really. But and I know you got. We talked about this before about the Kings like trading for Ben. I don't know if I want a guy like that. Really, I don't, because that's just to, to see a player doing that. It's kind of a a look inside of his his mindset, and I I don't know if that would be good for any team. I don't I don't necessarily blame Ben Simmons for how he handled I like since he got to training camp he could be a lot better I don't blame how he handled the offseason and how his organization basically aired him out and scapegoated him like he's a young kid and obviously there was something wrong like everyone could see the the kid did not want the ball in his hands and he's an all-star like you don't want to do that to your 24 25 year old all-star and they they basically did that. And like I have no issue with how he handled it in the offseason. Like, yes, like now you've got cameras around and you're with your teammates and their coaching staff and stuff like that. Like you can just be handling this a lot better. But I don't know. I like I have I, I think Ben all Ben Simmons wants is to be like in an organization where he feels like he's not gonna get scapegoated again. And I think you'll see a different Ben Simmons in that sense. Like he's not gonna act this like he's if he got traded to Sacramento. He's not going to show up to the first practice with sweatpants and his phone in his pocket. I guarantee you that like, he's going to be ready to work, but because he's back in Philadelphia, like he doesn't like the, he has no relationship with anyone anymore. Like he doesn't want to be there. They don't want him there. Like he obviously is like, I'm checked out. Like if you want to send me home, I'm going home, you know? And I get all that. And you can be mad at the organization, but once you actually start the season and you're, doing this now you're affecting your teammates and that's where i have a problem and you know he can, they're not they're not gonna be his teammates for very long no but we like don't know that whose fault we that, don't we don't know that you know whose fault that is though jason that's the gm that's dan it's um more more i forget how to know how to say his name daryl daryl maury maury thank you I'm like a little italian i don't know what i was <laughs> but um 
But he more, eh? he didn't have to make it so public of what he wanted. And like such mm-hmm. like, you know, like he knows no one wants he doesn't want him there. Ben doesn't want to be there. Like Joel, I have no problem with Joel and B saying like F that man, like I don't care about him. Like he has every right. I agree with him one hundred percent basically. Like it's this comes on to the GM. Like you have forced your hand now. You've said like it's basically an unreasonable asking price for a guy that no one in this organization wants. We don't want him, but we want everything for him. And like no one's gonna trade for him right now. And look at what you've left yourself with. Like you left yourself with an angry Ben Simmons who's at camp now affecting players. People are pissed. You're going into a season where fans are going to be upset. Like you haven't really closed the book on this. Like that's on you, man. Like you had all off season to get rid of them. And now we, here we are game ones, you know, start tonight and tomorrow. And Philly's going to be talking about Ben Simmons for a while. I think the the closest thing to the situation is when James Harden was in Houston in that link, that limbo year where he showed up, a little out of shape, a little didn't, didn't look like he was carrying. He still got his shots up well enough, but his numbers were way down and the the carriage is not seen there. And it seems like Ben Simmons is kind of taking a page out of that book. And I, I don't honestly blame Ben very much because he doesn't have control of where he plays. And if he wants to get out and this is the advice that he's been getting that he needs to do this to get out, then I think he would take every opportunity to get out of there. Especially, I know, Jason, you're talking about Ben Simmons as a bad teammate, but Joel Embiid coming out of this is not looking very clean. Yeah, no. Yes, no. I think three different times now has called out Ben Simmons, and they were supposed to be like boys almost. Like they were supposed to be in it together, like a dynamic duo. And we've obviously seen that they were not as close as previously thought. I think Joel really has handled it so poorly. I don't know if any stars will end up wanting to play with him after this point. Cause he is, he is such a, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's so big for, it's all lose, lose for everyone. everyone. I was going to say the, yeah, the whole, the whole situation in Philadelphia is just a complete mess. Thank, thank uh, God we're Kings fans. Right, right. At least we have some stability. <laughs> dads, us. it's only the dads we have to worry about. Maybe right, exactly. Dad, but. So, so to wrap up sort of the NBA talk, I have really one question for you guys. So the Chicago Bulls this offseason have looked like a really interesting team with everybody that they have now with, you know, Lonzo and DeRozan and – even Caruso has been making a lot of really good plays there. And um, how do you pronounce, what is his name? Um, is it Vucevic? Is he, is that who's on a, Vucevic. what is his name? Yeah. I can, I always, Vucevic? yeah, I always forget the pronunciation of his name and I, and I'm so bad with the former uh, Orlando magic center. Yes. I, yeah. I'm so bad at, I, I like, I remember we did a segment where I was trying to like name uh, tennis, 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 tennis players. players. <laughs> it was the worst thing ever. So same, so same thing. I just, I didn't want to watch his name, but so they, they look like they're going to be a really interesting team this year. So for you I guys, mean, still, Levine, still at Zach Levine, you didn't even met. And yeah, and I didn't mention guy. Zach Levine exactly. So 
what who are you guys besides the king what team are you going to be paying attention to the most who do you think is going to be one of the more interesting teams because we also had the moves in the offseason with the lakers and westbrook going there so we had some move, we had some pretty big acquisitions in the offseason so what team are you going to be paying attention to the most um i'm i feel like uh for me it's portland because i feel like dame's like just the big domino you know, like, I feel like if Portland gets off to a tough start and Philly's kind of off to a tough start, I can see an easy, like, Ben Simmons, Dame Lillard trade or something like that going down. I feel like, yeah, I mean, like, to me, like, I like that the Bulls obviously are a pretty clear one. They're going to be fun to watch. But in terms of how's the season going to play out, I think Portland's got a very interesting year ahead of them. You know, they really didn't do much to make themselves better. Damian Lillard's kind of starting to voice his frustration and get a little bit more vocal about like, Hey, like I might not be here forever. So I don't know. They've got an interesting year coming up. Sam. Yeah. And that'd be so awful for that community. If they lost Damian Lillard, um, this is going to be kind of a cop out. I think Miami is definitely a big team to watch with Kyle Lowry coming into town and see if they can regain that magic that brought them to the NBA finals two years ago. Uh, the Lakers, I mean, are an obvious one. How the heck are they going to make Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony work now with LeBron and AD? Can AD stay healthy? Can LeBron stay healthy? Can they become the leaders in the West? Um, I think another team, easy one, Brooklyn. Kyrie Irving, yeah. all of a sudden, might be shipped out of town and they might get Ben Simmons into their locker room. Yeah. Are we going to see KD and James Harden uh, now locked in James Harden, completely healthy. These two, are they just going to take this league by storm? I think those are definitely some of the, the big teams that um, I'd watch. I mean, Golden State halfway through the year, I just can't wait to see Clay play finally. I mean, you got to feel for that guy after two years of being out. It'd be so nice to see the – I mean, it would be nice to see the Warriors be good. Again, as much as we – Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Finish, finish as, as much as we hated the Warriors when they were winning championship after championship, I mean, they're a huge franchise and they're such a yeah. big driver. The NBA is better when they're, when they're playing well. Yeah. Well, also, I was just going to say, like, you mentioned, like, half the league. And, like, the NBA is just going to be so good this year. Like, Yeah, the, I didn't oh, even yeah. mention the Bucks. I was just about to say. No, didn't, yeah, didn't even mention the Bucks. The NBA championship team, the Bucks. Like, it's crazy. This, I, there's just so much... That's like, I feel like, like, again, like with like me saying Portland, it's just one domino needs to fall right now. Like there's like one big domino that just needs to fall and this NBA season is going to be like insane. And I think it's already going to be really good. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I'm glad you mentioned Golden State because I think the biggest takeaway for me is just going to be, I, I hope Clay is, I hope Clay is in a position where he can, where he can make some really big plays for them. Um, because to go through what he went through, I mean, like the NBA is better when one Golden State is there, and by default, that means when Clay and Steph are both playing, they are so fun to watch. And I think our hatred for Golden State wasn't so much necessarily driven from like we hated like them, it was more of the fact that good God, they're like they always win and they always got in everybody's way, and it was just the same thing over and over and over again. So if if they're good again this year, I think it's going to be a really good thing for for the NBA. So, and you well, I mean, a, another uh, another shout out to um, 
Atlanta. Can they take a step? Yeah. I mean, they were one of the more exciting teams to finish last yeah. year. And if they can put it all together and challenge Milwaukee this year, I mean, that would be a huge piece for the NBA to bring. I mean, they're going to be so excited anyway with the lobs and Trey Young dribbling between five guys' legs to swish a 40-footer. I mean, that team is going to be crazy this year. And rule number one for you this year, Sam, you cannot buy a Davion Mitchell jersey. We need him to stay. So, therefore, <laughs> buying his jersey is yeah. off limits. Yeah, as a matter of fact, as of, I don't know why we haven't thought of this. Please buy a Marvin Bagley jersey. Yeah, you, got, you got two guys' jersey you can buy, Buddy and Marvin, but you can't touch Tyrese, Fox, or Davion. Yeah. You buy one of them. So there, there's a for those of you that don't know, there's a running joke. Every jersey that Sam has bought, rest in peace, baby. They immediately have been traded or just left. So, yeah, go ahead and buy a Marvin or Buddy jersey, and buy a Marvin one first because Buddy coming off the bench, I think, is better than the starting rotation. I'd I'd love to get rid of his contract though. I still stand by that Thomas Thomas Robinson pickup. I mean, getting his jersey, he was. Amazing for half the year <laughs> of his rookie year. Yeah. Oh man. Could could have had Damian Lillard, but went with Thomas Robinson instead. That was Kawhi Leonard's year too, right? Or was he before? Uh, was he was that Ben McLemore? Was that a Ben McLemore? And then we could have had I think it was it in as another draft pick that they missed on somebody that somebody later ended up being a gigantic all-star. Just pencil it in. But hey, those days might be gone. Yeah, maybe it looks like they've hit on these last uh, two drafts. So we'll see. So Ben, thanks for coming on the show, man. Like it was really good to get you back on here to talk about stuff other than other. I know football is always the most prominent thing usually, but for the NBA starting and to hit on that big Giants thing, it was really good to talk about uh, some baseball and some basketball. So, Boys, it was a pleasure. We'll see after 10 games, you know, where our Kings are at. I'm going to get on here and start screaming again, which I feel like I do about between game 10 and 20 every year. <laughs> it's always, yeah. it's always fire Luke. Yeah. It's all, 15 it's, games through the year. Yeah, fire Luke, <laughs> like buddy's trash, Marvin Bagley's hurt. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, no guys, it was fun. We'll do it again soon. Go Kings. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. All right, man. Thanks, Ben. Hey boys. Yeah. Oh, man, I am super excited for the NBA to start. Yeah, it kind of just snuck up on us a little bit. A little. We have, this might be one of the best times in sports. We have Premier League Soccer. We have the NFL. We have the MLB playoffs. We have the start of the NBA season. We have hockey. Gosh knows I'm not going to watch any hockey, but it's still there. Like, so, we have everything going on right now. I'm actually in a fantasy hockey league. There's a guy in my unit uh, for – at my Marine unit, who is a huge hockey fan and he was short on people. So he asked if I would join and I told him, I was like, bro, I, I don't know anything about hockey. I, it's fun to watch when it's on, but I, I don't know anything. So my team was auto drafted and I checked on it the other day and I'm like third in the league. So I feel <laughs> so whoever the, whatever auto draft system was working for me really helped me out. So I, uh, I was sitting there looking at him and I was like, dude, I don't even know how to set my lineup. <laughs> so he had to run me through the whole thing. And yeah, it was just, it was just a nightmare. Oh, wow. Uh, Glo- Glovechkin and uh, Sinechkin have just scored for me. Oh, that's awesome. Right. 
Right, exactly. I, I love those guys. So let's actually talk about something that we're a little bit more knowledgeable on. Let's hit the NFL. Uh, we've got three quick things to do mm-hmm. about talking about the NFL. Uh, first things first, I'll give you a quick recap of week six scores and the winners and the losers. The Bucks beat the Eagles on Thursday night, which wasn't as close of a game as uh, the score says. The Jaguars finally get their first win over the Dolphins, and the Dolphins might be one of the most disappointing teams in the league this year. So the Jaguars win 23 to 20. Vikings over the Panthers, 34 to 28. The Ravens, in what was probably the most surprising game of the weekend, just took it to the Chargers. It was 34 to 6, just an absolute rout. The Rams beat the Giants 38 to 11. The Colts beat the Texans 31 to 3. The Chiefs got up to a slow start against Washington. They still look a little bit off, but they find a way to get a win over the Washington football team. 31 to 13, the Packers beat the Bears. Yes, Aaron Rodgers still owns Chicago. <laughs> For those of you that know that quote, I I hope you saw what happened between him and the Bears fans. That was amazing. The Bengals beat the Lions 34 to 11. The Cardinals assert dominance over the Browns. Although the Browns, let's just be honest, they are facing a long, lengthy list of injuries on that team. But nonetheless, the Cardinals remain perfect 37 to 14. The Cowboys beat the Patriots 35 to 29 in overtime. The Raiders, after everything that went on the week before, come out and really dominate the Broncos. They gave up one garbage time touchdown. That caused the score to be a little bit closer, but it really wasn't that close. The Steelers, another overtime win. (laughs) Well, just another overtime in the NFL. The Mm -hmm. Steelers over the Seahawks 23 to 20. And then the Bills lose to the Titans in what I would say was a questionable final call on that game for the Bills. So really good week four football. Um, I'd say the biggest thing that stands out to me was that Ravens game. I mean, it was, I mean, we've been a Chargers show. We make that joke all the time. And and, I mean, the Ravens just obliterated the Chargers. I didn't, I I would have bet my house that that was not going to happen. Yeah, we're man enough to admit when we were wrong. We were a little wrong, man. Baltimore showed us showed us up a little bit. I mean, just the way they were able to shut down one of the best offenses in the NFL, in the Chargers. I mean, Justin Herbert's worst game as a pro, I think it's yeah. pretty safe to say, came against Baltimore. Wow. They opened, they opened my eyes for sure. I was after Baltimore got uh, beat up by the Raiders and – a team that loses to the Raiders isn't a very good team. So, well, okay. <laughs> so just looking at that, and oh, uh, I don't know, man. I the Ravens are. Can we take too much from that win? That's a huge, humongous win. Does does that change everything in your eyes in the AFC? A little bit, but I think the interesting thing is all of their like best players minus Lamar Jackson are hurt. Like, they got absolutely decimated on injuries on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball, and they still have – and I think today there was a report that they just lost their left tackle. So there's that as well. But if there's any team that seems to be able to handle that, it's the Ravens. And give John Harbaugh credit, who right now is probably the coach of the year, to be able to do what he has done with the decimated roster. It has been absolutely just – Super impressive what the Ravens have been doing. Um, and give Lamar Jackson credit. Right now, again, I said it last week, but I really do think he is the MVP front runner right now with the way that he is absolutely willing this team to 
to wins. Um, I want to do say one thing about the Raiders Broncos game. I had mentioned it before on the, the previous show that I really hope that they used what happened to John uh, as sort of a rallying point. And actually after the game, Derek Carr had mentioned, you know, if anything that if there was anything that came from that, it was that it made them closer as a bunch. Um, and so it appears that they really did use it as a rallying point. And I think what we can look back on with that Chicago game is that something is that what happened really did affect them against the bears because they just looked completely off from the jump. Their offense was just super lackluster. So was their defense. They looked unmotivated to be there. We know why now and to come out and rally around Rich Passaccia and um, to have Greg Olson calling plays for the first time in five years, the offense, I actually made the joke. I was like, the Raiders threw on first down. John Gruden's definitely not there right now. So I loved the way that they called the game. And their defense forcing four turnovers. Max Crosby got three sacks. Their defensive line was just all over Teddy Bridgewater. I think he got hit like 17 times in the game. Um, so the Raiders to come out and to, to play as dominant of football as they did, it was really it was really nice to see. And I think they are a good team. Um, they still have some stuff that they need to fix, but the, but they are they are a good team. I'm not saying that they're the greatest. Team Say it one more time. One more time. They're a good team. They're you, a good are team. you convinced? I'm convinced that they're a good team. And I, I, after six weeks, I think six weeks is a long enough time to say that they're a good team. But the thing is, is what's going to be interesting is if they're good enough to make the playoffs because the AFC, now right now they're actually four and one in conference play, which is huge for later on down the road. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. I think they, if anything, I think they might be good enough to squeak into that like seventh spot. I don't think they're going to be vying for anything higher than that, but they have a shot to get there. So, um, what were did they finish? Did they finish second last year in the division? Mm. Or did the Chargers? I think the Chargers rallied at the end Mm. to to finish second last year. So they have a little easier of a schedule. A a little bit, a little bit. Um, What were some of your biggest takeaways from this week? I really just wanted to talk about the the Raiders in that sense. Dude, as you should, as you should. I mean, the fact that cannot be understood how they got up for that game with all the distractions going on. Like it had to have been leaders of the team just saying, hey, we're putting that John stuff behind us and we're going to work. Like we are we are a good team and remember those three first games that we played, like we could still be that team and ended the two game losing streak. I mean, that is uber impressive. And the thing that they've done is they set themselves up this really well for these next two weeks. Their next game is at home versus the Eagles, which is a very winnable game. And then they go on the road against a giants team who is just absolutely beat up with injuries right now. So they've set themselves up really nicely. They have the chiefs after that. Um, which will be an interesting game. I think they um, match up really well with the Chiefs. I think I both think those. They, I think they're on equal playing field right now. They they might be at least through six weeks, and then they mm-hmm. get the Bengals. Uh, but then they have a tough game against the Chargers. So they've set themselves up to really. But the the meaty part of their schedule, really, it seemed was going to be at the beginning, and then like the very end of their schedule is a little bit rough because they finish off with the Chiefs, Browns, Broncos, Colts, and Chargers. But this middle section. Has some has some very winnable games. So to come out four and two, I think they set themselves up well. Oh, big time! And but we talked about this. We talked about this the last couple of years that the church, that the Raiders have looked good for spurts and set up well yeah. to make a playoff spot, and then they lose to teams that they're not supposed to. Yeah. So if they 
this would be the next two games if they're able to win these next two games. And really, they should win these next two games and should dom- not dominate, but like control these next two teams. Yeah. Then I, I sit here and say, and they're, look, they're in a great spot. I mean, Cleveland definitely doesn't look as good. Tennessee doesn't look as good. Indianapolis doesn't look as good. Like there is a wide open. Pittsburgh doesn't look as good. Yeah. Like they, they are, Miami doesn't look as good. I keep no. going. There's a lot of teams that you would think yeah. would be in that spot, in that wild card spot, that I don't have the, as much confidence in them as I do in, say, the Raiders right now. Yeah. So it'll, it'll, it'll be really interesting because the thing that I always said about the Raiders was, okay, you've looked really well. You've looked really good. through the Like you mentioned, they look really good at the beginning, but the thing for them is going to be, can you beat the teams that you're supposed to beat? And they are better than the Eagles and they are better than the Giants. They should win these games. Big time. So if they can go out and win these two games, then I think they're really going to put the AFC on notice a little bit as, as a legit team that you, that you have to, you have to get up to play. I don't know about all that, about all that legit stuff. I think they'll just make the playoffs. Okay. I, I can't, I can't go that far. I can't go. Okay. Yeah. I just can't. Be I'm not, that. I'm not like, it's not like I'm, I'm not, I'm really trying to, like you're way, you're way down, you're way down the street. I'm like right next to the crosswalk. Like okay, you're gonna have to meet me, meet me halfway here. Like I can't. Anyway, your go biggest takeaways. Legit. Okay. Um, obviously the Raiders win. I mean the Ravens win. Um, Bills losing. That was kind of a shock to a Tennessee what, team though. Is the, yeah. What do you think of the last play call? The QB sneak. Yeah. It was like a delayed QB sneak almost, mm-hmm. which I didn't understand. I, I like the QB sneak call. I think the QB sneak, that's got to be one of the highest um, success rate plays for fourth and less than a yard, it looked like. It was just yeah. weird how delayed it was. Like it gave those three defensive linemen time to – really meet him at the line of scrimmage. Because if he gets met at the line of scrimmage, he's not going to advance forward enough. Right. I know Josh Allen's a big guy, but he's not that big. Not that big. (laughs) The only way he gets that extra push is if he almost takes like the element of surprise where he knows the snap count and then he's able to really get across that line of scrimmage and meet them on the defensive line's line of scrimmage. That was the only way. So I didn't understand that. Obviously, they had worked on that before, and I think they trusted the left guard's ability to really push. I guess that's what—that's the only thing that I could take from that. I think right. I, I like the fact that it was in Josh Allen's hands. Yes, totally get that because so many times guys are t- like, "Oh, this is perfect." The Niners when they did that Kyle Uzcheck QB sneak on fourth down—it yeah. was fourth and one. You saw that didn't get that at all because you take it out of Trey Lance's hands and he's your playmaker, especially on those short yardage situations. I just like that. They gave Josh Allen the ability to go out and make that play. Um, Got to give credit to Tennessee was able to overcome turnovers and yep. Derek Henry. Holy. I don't know what you could say, but <laughs> and Julio Jones showing glimpses of kind of showing Atlanta. Why the heck did you trade him? Yeah, that that sideline catch that, that he made helmet, was, that helmet catch, mm-hmm. that was so. I've never seen a catch like that. Um, Hand, only a handful of guys in the league can do that. 
Yeah. I mean, he's definitely lost a step. And I don't want to be disrespectful about it, but he's no, no, still no. one of the best in contest. Like, he is probably the best pass catcher under, like, um, not duress, but, like, under uh, opposition. Just in, like defense yeah, just in coverage, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just – so that was a huge win for Tennessee. I, I Sort of like what we were saying with the Pittsburgh loss for the Buffalo, I think it's kind of just a one-off. For Buffalo, I didn't really see a lot of weaknesses um, with that loss. I guess the fact that the defense didn't play as well, but can you really blame them when they're coming up against Derrick Henry and he's possessed yeah, in that he, game? So he had 20 carries, 143 yards, three touchdowns, had a seven-yard average per rush. When I see highlights of his, I don't get how he doesn't go for 140 every week. Because how do you stop him? I didn't he I think in that big like 73 yard run he ran at like almost 22 miles an hour bro he is a big dude and he is out running like dbs are taking he's running straight dbs are taking this line and he is getting past them yeah like how does that physically work and he's just gaining yardage on them yeah he's he's a he's an absolute freak I don't I don't really know what you can say about him I think I think when we look back at Derrick Henry's career because you know obviously we weren't around for like the Barry Sanders mm-hmm. and Eric Dickerson we, uh, right Emmett and Smith. we kind of we kind of were young when AP was really at his peak but we have Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry might be one of the most unique running backs we've seen just from a sense that he's he's a refrigerator with legs <laughs> he's like if Bo Jackson put on a little more weight and stayed healthy. Right, right. I kind of like get Bo that Jackson was him. big. Yeah. Bo Jackson was a big mm-hmm. dude. Um so that was and, the biggest that was one of the games that I took away from. I think the only other big game was um Cleveland, Arizona. And I think that Cleveland was asserted I mean Arizona asserted themselves in that game. Big time. And Cleveland, we've talked about it, man. They've had a tough schedule to open they probably have the hardest schedule to open up so far through six games and I don't really blame them for where they are now yes injuries have played a huge part in it um but they really haven't looked like a great team like they haven't looked like an AFC contender right really I think the I think the team that might be able to to match them for strength of schedule would be the the Colts. Mm-hmm. Um, the Colts have had a pretty rough opening, but in the in the Browns three games, it's tough because they have a couple they have a couple easy teams in there. But they open the season against the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. They had the Texans and the Bears, but then they played a close game against the Vikings. The Vikings are better than their record shows. Then they had the Chargers game, and then they had the Cardinals game. So they're going to have two games back-to-back here that I would be shocked if they're not favored in. Uh, they get the Broncos, and then they get the Steelers. Uh, but then they have to play the Bengals. And I'm telling you, that Bengals-Browns game is going to be really telling for how that division is going to shape up because it's going to be the Ravens and somebody else. And the Bengals are going to have a lot to say about where Cleveland is going to end up this season. So and- – this might be the best time for a team like Pittsburgh and a team like Cincinnati to get this Cleveland team. Because if Kareem Hunt's missing a lot of time, 
Nick Chubb isn't coming back this week. I don't think he's coming back the next week. I could honestly see Pittsburgh right now knocking off Cleveland. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Just because of how well they're able to bring that pressure on Baker, and then what is what is Baker going to do at that point? Right. Plus, he's playing on a hurt shoulder. So, next week, we're going to get the Bengals at Baltimore. So, that's going to be a very interesting game as well. We talk about Cincy a lot as being maybe a team that's not getting enough credit. They, they have had probably one of the easier schedules. They had the Vikings, which, again, is a bit of a tough game. But they've had the Bears, the Steelers, the Jaguars, the Lions – now they were tough. They played a tough game against the Packers. They lost on a field goal. So they're going to get probably their – they're going to definitely get their biggest test of the season so far against the Ravens. So we're going to find a lot – find out a lot about this uh, this Bengals team uh, next week. So all in all, a pretty interesting week in week six. Had two overtime games. Um, actually, no, three. I think it was three overtime games because the Vikings and the Panthers one went to overtime. The De- Cowboys game went to overtime and the Steelers mm-hmm. game went to overtime. So there you go. I feel like there's at least two or three overtime games every single week. So um, let's get into the power rankings real quick. ESPN released their power rankings list. And I don't think it's nearly as egregious as some of their previous ones, but uh, I, I, I don't Um but uh, we ours is definitely still a little bit different than theirs. So starting from 10 to 1, it's going to go the Titans, the Chiefs, Chargers, Packers, Ravens. And then our top five is going to be the Cowboys, the Bucks, the Rams, the Bills, and the Cardinals. So those are your ESPN top five, I mean top 10 teams in the NFL. That is their power rankings. Our power rankings, as always, is a little bit better. So Sam. Uh yeah, from, from 10 to 1, we have Somehow the Raiders in here. I think that's a little biased. Bengals, Chargers, Packers, Tampa, Dallas, Buffalo, the Rams, Ravens at two, and Cardinals, again, back-to-back weeks, in at the number one spot. So is there anything really egregious from ESPN's list? Do you have any, like, super, like, big gripes with their list? I know the Ravens at six. I think some people could look at it as being a little low. Um, but anything else? Did anything else seem super out of place to you? I think the Chiefs being in there, I get it. I think them being at nine, though, is a little I, – like, I feel like Cincinnati's played well enough to be in there at this point. I agree. You know, like, I, I, I mean, who have the Chiefs beaten? They've beaten Cleveland, who's not very good now that we know. Yeah. <laughs> They've beaten Cleveland. They've beaten um, – Washington uh, they, football team who's trash and they'd be they beat the Eagles. Eagles. So they'd be in the NFC East. Yeah. Perfect. Right. <laughs> right. Um, I think specifically with our list, because I think, like I said, I think you and I seem to be in kind of the same boat that maybe that ESPN, I don't think had anything gigantic that was out of place, but I don't know why I, I keep moving our list. <laughs> I'm trying I'm trying to look for our list like it's anywhere else but on my phone. I just keep yeah. grabbing the wrong thing. Um, so I, think, so I the, think the biggest team that moved up was the Ravens, obviously. And then we dropped yeah. the Bills from three to four. Um, Which I uh, think is – I think it's fair, right? 
I mean, I know that they lost, but again, they lose on the very last play. Um, I know their defense didn't play that well, but I still think that they are right. Well, who knows with the Ravens right now, the Ravens and the bills are still right here as the two best teams in the AFC. I don't think the bills loss was anything egregious enough to really justify moving them out of the top five. And then the chargers we have all the way at eight. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think some would, isn't that where ESPN put them? They put them in eight. ESPN has them give me two seconds. One, two. They have them. Um, yeah, they have them low. They have them at eight as well. I feel like they're still they still have the capability to rise for sure. I mean, we're a Chargers show. We gotta show the Chargers some love. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think the Raiders are just in for this this next week and then they'll be out next week. Like, you know. You mean they'll when probably, they beat the Eagles? They'll probably lose to the Eagles. Okay, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Um, so ESPN has Tampa at four. They have them cracking their top five. We have them just slightly out of their top five. I know Tampa has Brady, and I know they have that great offense with their three number one wide receivers, and Leonard Fournette has turned into what looks like he's going to – or at least this season, he looks like he's back to his old prime Jacksonville form. but. I still think there's been some questions on the defensive side of the ball for Tampa. And I don't think it's as much of, well, we don't think that Tampa is good enough to be in the top five. There are just five other teams who have outperformed them. And so I think, I think the biggest thing people would go to is Tampa beat Dallas head to head. Right. Right. So why isn't Tampa ahead of Dallas? I don't know about you. I think Dallas has looked better. In every single game too. that they've played, better than Tampa. I mean, Tampa narrowly beat Dallas in the opening weekend when Dallas is coming off of a quarterback that hasn't played in over a year. Uh, then Dallas goes and beats the Chargers. They've beaten, uh, they've beaten the Eagles. They've beaten the Giants. Like they've beaten bad teams, but they've dominated bad teams and looked really good. And their defense yeah. has come a long way from what they were last year, which was historically bad. Now they have Trayvon Diggs, who's probably the defensive player of the year right now. With Could how- be the offensive player of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's de- he definitely has more catches than Brandon Ayuk has. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Micah Parsons is coming along well. And that whole defensive unit has come so far. And that offense, holy, that's top three best offenses in the NFL right now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else you can say about their offense other than pick, pick, like pick something that you want to take away, and they'll use something else to beat you. If you want to take away Dak, then fine. They'll just give it to their running backs. If you want to take the so, running backs away, then fine. They'll just pass it to everybody. So New England held uh, wanted to hold the rushing attack, right? Because Dallas is the second best rushing uh, team in the NFL. Dak just goes for four hundred plus. Yeah. And it was the most yards a Bill Belichick-led defense has ever given up. Mm -hmm. 567 total yards. And I think that's been the most impressive thing from Dallas is if, like, again, like you said, if they take away the run, well, then Dak's going to win in the game. And if they're going to take away Dak, then Zeke and Tony Pollard are going to win in the game. And And they're fine. Yeah, they've shown that that rushing attack is back. Like, it is as formidable as ever. Zeke looks... 
not as good as ever, but he looks definitely a lot better than he did last year. And Tony Pollard is just a different gear to coming in as a second back. All right, so that'll wrap up our power rankings talk for the week. Obvious. Oh, I forgot to mention uh, last week when I put up the poll uh, on ins- on my Instagram page for. Uh, which list you guys liked more. It was a 50-50 split between ours and ESPN. So we haven't lost yet <laughs> to ESPN, but we talked. So, all right. And speaking that's of, an accomplishment, too, because they get I, paid for this. I think I think it is. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of losses, Sam lost last week in picks. So we are now <laughs> three. <laughs> what a transition. Three. So we are now three and three in our picks, and I'm feeling – absolutely great about where i'm standing right now tied you're sitting week six you're not you're not (laughs) yeah 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 whatever so anyway so let's move into our week seven picks our percentages for the amount of games we've gotten correct this year are going to be up in the corners i don't know what they're currently sitting at right now but sam will do the the math later so you're a lot closer than than you were i think it's probably I'm going to guess right here. I think it's 64 to 67. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. So Thursday night game, the Browns, which is actually going to be tonight, the night of this uh, release. Uh, the Browns are going to be playing the Broncos. Who you got? Ooh. Okay. The Broncos bit me in the freaking ass this last week. I, why didn't I trust them? I don't get I don't do you ever do that? Do you ever like look back at the picks that you made? Like, why did I pick Carolina? Yeah, every once in a while, yeah. Um, this just didn't make any sense, but obviously it made sense in my head. I want to pick Denver because Cleveland looks so bad, but yeah. Denver's not a good football team, so I'm gonna pick Cleveland. I'm gonna pick Cleveland solely because they're at home. Um, and I think I'm just gonna roll with that. They have a long list of injuries, but I think I don't know. I just can't bring myself to pick the Broncos. So we have the Chiefs at the Titans. Ooh. This is an interesting game. I think I'm gonna pick Titans. Why? Because <laughs> I, I don't was, think I don't think the Chiefs can stop Derrick Henry. I was okay. So I so I looked at this game too, and I want to pick the Titans as well. I mm-hmm. I gen, I think I'm sitting in the same boat with you. I think the Chiefs are going to have a nightmare of a time trying to stop Derrick Henry. So, and because the Titans are at home, they're coming off a big win to get big win against the Bills. So, why not just roll over the Chiefs? I'd take the Titans at home against the Chiefs, which feels wrong, but uh, it's just that's what we're going to go with. But the Packers Titans, are at home. Oh, go ahead. The Titans are so capable because they lost to the Jets, so they're so capable to put up a. Oh yeah a flop against oh, yeah. um yeah nick chubbs out for thursday yeah well don't worry they have their third string running back and it's okay um all right so they, go packers against washington i'm writing giovanni bernard again this week oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so who is it it's packers against washington washington packers are at home yeah, I'm going to take Packers for sure. Washington, you said Miami is the biggest disappointment. I think Washington might be the biggest disappointment. Well, Cleveland could be one of the biggest disappointments too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Washington, I 
genuinely thought their defense, I mean, but I, it didn't seem like that far of a, like a, a pick, you know, with how good their defense was last year. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody had any reason to believe that they weren't going to have a good defense and their defense just is booty. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just terrible. It's a booty. So, uh, the Ch- Ravens Chase are Young, not- Chase Young, you your booty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Ravens are not terrible. They have the Bengals. At I, I love the this transition game that you got going on. Thank you. It I'm is really like clockwork in your head. All right. Take next team. Take adjective that was just used. <laughs> and <laughs> Insert sentence with next team. I'm on fire, man. Let's go. So Ravens and who? The Bengals. Uh, Bengals at home? No, the Ravens are at home. I'm going to take the Ravens. I think I'm going to take the Ravens at home too. I would like to say it's going to be a competitive game, but then again, I would have thought the Chargers game was going to be competitive too. So we'll see. Um, the Panthers are going to go on the road against the New York Giants. I think I'm going to take the Panthers on the road against the Giants. Mm-hmm. McCaffrey's still out, which sucks. It does. But this is a game that Sam Darnold and the Panthers got to win. Like this they is a team that is definitely worse than they are. Yeah. The Falcons are on the road against the Dolphins. So I'll take the Falcons over the Dolphins. I'm going to take the Dolphins. Okay. I don't feel great about the pick, <laughs> but I'm going to roll with Matty Ice. So it, uh, worked out it, la- it, it worked out last week when I picked Jacksonville, though. That did right, work it out. Did. It did. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Um, I'll take the Patriots at home against the Jets. Yeah. 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 You got to take I, – I can't take a rookie quarterback against Bill Belichick. Right. I don't know where that started, but it is a mantra that everyone <laughs> lives by. It's a thing. It is a thing. Um, I'm going to take the Raiders at home against the Eagles. Like I said, I'm never going to pick against my team. So I'll take the Raiders. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm assuming you're also going to take the Rams at home against the Lions. Each quarterback playing against their former team. Revenge games. Yep. <laughs> Yo, like, that's a big, that would be an awesome first Lions win. That would be. It, yeah, that would be. I wouldn't pick it, but that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I'm going to pick the Buccaneers over the Bears. Bucks are at home. Yeah, yeah, but definitely Bucks over Bears. I mean, Bears are playing a lot better as yeah. of late, um, but I think Tampa Bay has just got too much. I, hmm. The reason – I think Tampa Bay's got this is because Chicago beat them last year in sort of an upset. And I don't think Tom would let that happen again two years Probably in a row. Not. But this is a team with how well Chicago's defensive line is playing. They are actually like a team, a defense that would give Tom Brady fits. I just don't think that Chicago's offense can stay with Tampa Bay. I think that's going to be the thing. I don't think their mm-hmm. offense is going to be able to keep pace. Um, I'm going to take the Cardinals at home in a route over the Texans. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, what can I say? I'm not going to pick Houston. I don't think it's right. going to be a route, 
Oh, I another, think they're going to win. Another revenge but, game. Hopkins revenge oh, yeah. against Houston. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and JJ. I forgot about JJ. Yeah. And Deshaun Watson's playing. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> they just that name. Uh, my starter this weekend will be Deshaun Watson. Everybody goes. <laughs> Deshaun's just sitting at his couch. He sees the scroll at ESPN. Wait, I'm named as a star. What? Call my agent. <laughs> I guess I better put on my pads. I don't know. <laughs> it's like the uh, it's like the um, Grant commercial. Mom, where where my football pants? Yeah. <laughs> Um, your 49ers are coming off of a bye Sunday night football against the Colts. Give me the Niners at home against Carson Wentz and the Colts. Whoa, you're taking the Niners? Yeah. Oh, I will also take the Niners. Apparently, Jimmy G is returning as a starter. Oh, good. Does that raise your confidence or hinder it? Um, I don't know. I How confident are you throwing rocks against glass? Because I feel like that's about as – Confident as I am in Jimmy G's health. <laughs> so, but who's who is more injury prone, Carson Wentz for the Colts or Jimmy G for the Niners? Jimmy G. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> no. Yes. Come on, dude. He's been hurt every year. You're talking about a man that sprained both his ankles on one play. My my favorite quote coming out of the Carson Wentz both sprained ankles was from Dan Graziano on ESPN. He was reporting about Carson Wentz. He's like, he sprained both ankles, which is the most that you can sprain. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that's genius. Car- Carson Wentz has set record for most sprained ankles. <laughs> All of them. Uh, um, and then the Monday night game is the Seahawks at home against the Saints. Ooh. A three and two team versus a two and four team. The Saints aren't good. Well, I think what they are is just inconsistent. And Seattle did play better against Pittsburgh than I thought they would. Mm-hmm. But Pittsburgh's not great. I think I think New Orleans has to win. Would they add an extra week? To prepare for Gino, like there's not going to be any yeah, surprises. I'm taking, I'm taking the Saints too. I'm taking the Saints too. So we're just different on one game. Looks like we're just different on the Falcons Dolphins game. <laughs> That's the only game. I believe so. I believe so. You sure? Mm-hmm. All right. Read me the games again. What do we have here? Well, here though, one. I mean, I could change. I could change to the Chiefs over the Titans. That is true. I think we should get to five different this week. Five. Okay. So then, I'm going to take. Then, I'm going to take Philly. Okay. I'll take and, the Chiefs. Okay. Now we're at three. But I feel like um, all the other games are pretty. Uh, they seem pretty one-sided. I want to take Denver. You want to take Denver. It's just if this game, if this game was a ten o'clock on Sunday, I'd feel so much better. Mm-hmm. Oh man! But we can just do three because yeah, let's do three because there are there are some games 
there are a lot of games that seem like there are some heavy favorites in it. But I feel like swapping the Chiefs Titans isn't that big of a although I'd rather be with the Titans, but um let's just do one then if you want to do one. Okay. Okay. Because then there are that's our actual true opinions. I am a huge Miami Dolphins fan this weekend. Okay. Go Matty Ice. <laughs> Go Matty Ice. Two is not injured, right? Holy cow. Let's no, let's he's just... he he was he was back last week. He's there. I know he was back, but did he get injured? Talk about someone who's injury prone. Oh yeah, I know. Seriously. So all right, well, that'll be week seven of the NFL season. And then also, just to let everybody know, if you were not, if you just skipped the beginning of the show and you missed all the NBA talk, the NBA is starting this week. Hockey is also just getting kicked off. The Obviously, the NFL is still in full swing. The playoffs for baseball are going on right now. This is the best time of the year to be a sports fan from October to December. It is just a glorious time in the world of sports. So each of our shows is going to be filled. We do spend a lot of time on the NFL, but we're going to do our best to make sure that we hit all of these sports throughout these coming months. So uh, that's really my closing thoughts. Any words of wisdom for the audience? Uh, just make sure you, uh, you stay keeping up with the Kings as much as we are, man. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a, a great year. Man, we must have made the Kings sound like world beaters. I think they're going to be contenders this year. They might might win the championship. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for uh, staying with us and watching the show. And thank you guys for supporting the channel through the beginning iteration of this. So we're looking forward to adding some more stuff to the show, bringing more guests on. And, uh, yeah, we hope you guys uh, have enjoyed what we've brought so far. So thank you so much. Have a wonderful week. And we will see you all next Thursday.